0: Savas with Film, Music, and Media, and I'm talking with composer Bear McCreary. Bear has composed for TV series such as Battlestar Galactica, Eureka, Caprica, and received an Emmy nomination for his theme to Human Target. He composed the amazing score to the video game Dark Void and is working on SOCOM 4 for the PlayStation 3. He also scored the Frank Darabont series The Walking Dead, which premieres on Halloween.
1: Hey, how's it
0: going? Hi, Bear. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, you too. Um, so, I guess we could get, thing, uh, get things started. Um, so, how did you get into uh, film and television music, you know, specifically?
1: You know, it's hard to say because I literally can't remember a time in my life when I was not absolutely in love with movie music. Um, I, it might have been, I saw, uh, I saw The Empire Strikes back when I was like, probably less than two years old, uh-huh. and uh, that always kind of stuck with me, although it was too early for me to actually make anything coherent out of it. Right. Um, the, the, the first movie I remember undeniably just falling head over heels in love with music was uh, Back to the Future by Alan Silvestri. Wow. And okay. that, uh, when I heard that, I mean, I, I saw that movie like a dozen times in the theater, and I mean, and I was, I was five. Uh-huh. And then got the soundtrack on cassette and just, you know, played it until the tape wore out. So that might, you know, if to really go back to the absolute earliest stages, that might have been if not the first, one of the first.
0: Yeah, for me it was a fantasia when I was like in a baby rocker, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you were you worked under Elmer Bernstein for a few years, right? Yes.
1: What
0: what was the most important thing that you learned from him?
1: Wow. Uh most important thing I learned from him is uh, honestly, it's probably not a musical thing at all. I mean, Elmer um, Elmer was a huge influence on me musically, even just growing up. I always loved his music. Um, and uh, and actually, you know, speaking of movies that are in that, you know, developmental period of my life, the score to Ghostbusters would, would be there too. Right. Um, but when I met Elmer, I met Elmer at a really... Uh, to crossroads time in my life when, you know, I'm 16, I'm confused, I'm scared, I'm, I'm writing music all the time, but I'm not nervous. I mean, I'm nervous that I'm not going to be able to do it, or maybe it's not the right career choice. And when I met Elmer, he kind of put all my, my doubts to rest, because I saw a guy who was at the top of his game, he was revered in the industry, and he had a, a wonderful family life, Um, A loving family and he was just when I looked at him I thought this is a guy who is successful in every possible way that a human being can be successful Uh and at the time I I was really kind of having this very adolescent freak out about what it takes to be an artist and you know um, you know when Kurt Cobain killed himself and you think about Uh, George Gershwin and Ravel and Elvis and Janis Joplin. I mean, Beethoven, the list of tragic musicians who did not have a nice, comfortable, old, elderly life is pretty long. And so I was kind of, you know, I mean, really, this was warping my adolescent mind. And when I met Elmer, I was like, oh, wait a minute, you can do this? You mean you can be a great musician and and actually just have a nice, normal life and have a family and like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to do it. And that really did kind of seal the deal. Like, oh, then, then I know that this can be done. And so, honestly, I mean, everything else I learned from him after that was incredibly influential, and I learned a lot of, you know, musical tricks, and I learned a lot about the business. I learned a lot about film music history and what Elmer had done. But, I mean, I think that if I had to pay the most important thing was that he gave me that example to strive towards.
0: Wow, that's great. So you're, you're, you also work in video games. You, you did Dark Void, which I absolutely love it's amazing and uh you're working on SOCOM on SOCOM 4 right now right yeah and uh so I guess between video games and films you know is there is it more freeing is there any major differences to you that you see or that you like better or, or less well you know between film TV and video games there are a
1: lot of little little differences uh, and it is fun to be able to jump back and forth. But, but honestly, no, the, the approach is pretty similar mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm, approaching it, I'm approaching every project from the same perspective. I want to I ask the producers, what do you want the audience to experience? Right. What do you want the audience to feel? And whether or not they're holding a controller or they're in a theater or they're in their living room makes no difference to me. Uh You know, so some of the technicalities, like how long are the cues and, you know, what, do we hit this beat or do we hit that beat? Those are little differences, but in general, no. It's like, you know, like I think if, I honestly think if the the Dark Void soundtrack, which is one of the best albums I've ever put out, if that were the soundtrack for a big budget Dark Void movie, I don't know that it would sound markedly different. You know, The, the game score is pretty big and it's pretty emotional and lyrical. Um, because that's that's what we wanted the gamers
0: to experience. Yeah, I mean, it really feels like... I mean, your theme, at least the central theme, to me feels like it was something that could have been composed, you know, 30 years ago. You know, it has this romantic kind of grand, you know, aspect to it that yeah. really, you know, evokes that kind of classic, you know, cinema sound, you know. It was really good.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. It's I, That theme is, uh, is one of... It might even still be my favorite melody that I've ever written. It was mm-hmm. just, and, and, and it also you got to remember the time at which I wrote it. Um, I was just finishing a Battlestar, which, right. which was also very lyrical, but not in that same way. I mean, in many ways, the Dark Void score with that kind of shameless lyricism and operatic romance was was just a, it was like me being. Being let set free suddenly, mm-hmm. it's like after doing Battlestar for four years. Oh my god, I can do this! Yeah. This is the kind of music I, I grew up listening to. This is, this is great. And, yeah. and then that kind of joyous, just uh, you know, lyrical writing is what laid the groundwork for me taking on Human Target, which of course I think took that kind of writing even further.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like Human Target, I, I, I loved it. I listened through it. Um, it's very a fun, bold score. It kind of has that old-fashioned heroic, adventure feel that you probably wouldn't, you know, ever expect from a television series. So, what what made Human Target the right project for that, you know, that sound?
1: Uh, what made Human Target the right project for that sound was the showrunner and uh, creator John Steinberg. Uh-huh. He knew that he wanted this sound from the beginning because, I mean, I, you know, I, I would love to take, I'd love to take all the credit, but. I got to say that, you know, if the producer doesn't want to hear an orchestral score, it doesn't matter how bad the composer wants to do it. Um, that's, right. you know, you are, you are providing what the producers want to hear. And when I first met John, the showrunner, he, uh, you know, we bonded immediately over our favorite composers. We started talking about Elmer and Jerry Goldsmith, Bernard Herrmann, uh, Basil Polidori, Alan Silvestri, John Williams, Danny Elfman, James Horner. These are These are the guys that are probably like, the most influential, well, honestly, on my life in general, uh-huh. but also um, on *Human Target*, and, and we just realized, like, wow, we we love all the same soundtracks. And he said, "Well, this is what I want my movie, my my, my movie, which is what it was basically, yeah. <laughs> my show. I want my show to sound, I want my show to sound like this." And um, I didn't think he'd be able to pull it off. Honestly, I was very skeptical that uh, that the show would do it, and and he did. He got he convinced the studio, and he knew it was a it was a it was an important part in establishing the tone and the character of the show. And uh, and from there, it was just a matter of getting to explore this world and see just how far we could push it. How far into that kind of classical orchestral language could I go before it would be too old school? And I, and I think the answer really is I can go as far as I want it.
0: Yeah, it's- and, and,
1: and, you know... The, 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 the soundtrack albums aren't laid out in chronological order because I wanted to put them into a more enjoyable listening experience. Uh-huh. But if you look at the cues from the earlier episodes and compare them to the cues from the last three or four, you can hear a real difference. I mean, you can hear that I'm, I am slowly figuring out, like, wow, I can, I can do this, and we can, we can really use the woodland in this way, and I can uh-huh. use the character cues in this way. And, and it was exciting. It was a really exciting creative experience.